to the lost souls, the disintegrated spirits, the wanderers, the dreamers, and the seekers. Welcome to the Embodied Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle McGinnis. Our work in this podcast will be to foster healing, transformation, self-expression, creativity, and the development of consciousness. So with our intentions grounded firmly, let's settle in and do some integration work. Hey friends, happy Thursday and welcome back to another episode of the Embody Podcast. If you guys are loving what you're hearing on the show, I would really appreciate it if you slid over to iTunes, dropped a five-star rating or a written review and just let me know what you are loving about the show, what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of, any and all feedback is welcome. That feedback gets the show organically into more ears and more souls across the world. So in today's podcast, I want to go over a quote that I heard Robbie Bosnack say in a lecture that I was listening to, and he said that the art of working with images requires precision and I think that this is a really potent topic for me um, because so often we want to abstract images and call the image the feminine the shadow if you're in the Jungian world the anima animus the self we jump to making assumptions about what that is and if we really think about it what is the feminine there's so many different qualities and aspects and images of the feminine that if we don't get particular and precise with the way that we're working with images then what we do is we keep those images at an abstracted level and they haven't coagulated into concrete material existence and experience and what that does when we are working with abstracted images it keeps distance and separation between psyche and body and it keeps us split and I wanted to read a section out of a paper that I wrote on the problem of mind-body dualism. Maybe I'll read the whole paper on another podcast episode. There's a section in this essay that I wrote about the gifts and the shadows of Jungian psychology in particular, and that's what I want to read because I think it, it really amplifies why it's important to get very precise, particular, get into the felt sense of what these images are evoking. Jung's orientation to mind and body is helpful for practitioners in navigating individual and cultural mind-body dualism. In Jungian theory, the realm of instinct, sensation, is not considered separate from the realm of the psychic, nor are they thought to be reducible to one another. Jung attempted to hold the tension between the material world's concrete reality and the spiritual world's psychical reality. But unlike reductionistic approaches, Jungian psychology can honor the fact that material concrete experience can simultaneously disengage with identifying matter as the basis for all of knowledge. This is the biological reductionist approach. Hang with me here. 
This unique position allowed Jung to pry the soul of psychology out from underneath the shadows of reductionism. In turn, he opened up this vast pathway for those who were suffering this malaise of dogmatic Western spirituality to experience life more deeply. He did this using his theory of archetypes. Jung recreated a bridge between the spiritual and the material that religious and scientific dogma had put into the shadows. They had split spirit and matter. Religion said it's all spirit, no body. Science said it's all body, no spirit. And so despite Jung's innovative way of working with religious doctrine and scientific dualism, the problem with many Jungian approaches that I see is the unconscious attempt to transcend this dualism that we're experiencing in our time using archetypal theory. In other words, practitioners often favor the psychic or spiritual pull of Jung's theory and they deny the instinctual realm. In working with the archetypes without acknowledging their instinctual basis is just another form of spiritual bypass. And this is what I'm talking about with abstraction, but I'll get there. So despite neo-Jungians like Marion Woodman and Tina Stromstead continually advocating for the reclamation of body in Jungian theory, these conversations are often only received at an abstracted level of understanding. Jung describes abstraction as, quote, a form of mental activity that frees contents from its association with irrelevant elements. Therefore, the abstraction of archetypal content may unconsciously determine that the instinctual and sensate roots of the body are relevant. Jung said that when I take an abstract attitude to an object, I do not allow the object to affect me in its totality. I focus my attention on one part of it by excluding all the relevant parts. So this is what I'm I'm going to pause reading here. This is what I was talking about is when we take images as abstracted concepts. We take a part of it and we're like, oh, that's my feminine or oh, that's the feminine. But we don't have an experiential, sensate, instinctual response to the quality of what that material is activating in you. So, going back to my reading, if Jungian practitioners unconsciously abstract archetypal content, this can in turn obstruct them from the difficult task of engaging with and differentiating the somatic content and along with that, the quality of whatness of the material that we're even working with. And also, here's something that I kind of put in that I'm I'm interested in exploring is that the intuitive function is commonly a dominant function in the personality of many people who are interested in the Jungian field. Jung states, the peculiarity of intuition is that it is neither sense perception nor feeling nor intellectual inference, although it may appear in any of these forms. The intuition function, like sensation, is an irrational function in Jung's four-function model of personality. Intuition, in particular, brings a quick, instinctive perception of what is. Therefore, it's fast, and its origins are in the physical, but are commonly missed. 
intuition's role is actually to compensate and balance out undifferentiated sensations. But if practitioners don't slow the system down enough to catch the sensate roots of intuition, of where these images and ideas are coming from, the sensation function becomes more undifferentiated and more chaotic. Conger states, quote, it was, therefore, somewhat of a surprise when analytical psychology discovered in the products of the unconscious of modern man so much archaic material. And not only that, but the sinister darkness of the animal world of instinct, end quote. Therefore, Jungian practitioners or people who are working with images or interested in images must have an awareness even that they're navigating archaic territory of undifferentiated matter at a sensate level, and especially if the inferior function of Jungian psychology is sensation. Tina Stromsed states, What we need to relearn is how to navigate the lower terrains, learning to pass back and forth from the gateways of the upper world and the lower world without fear that we'll be gobbled up there, go crazy, die, never to be released to the upper world again. And ultimately, Stromsted is creating a metaphor to amplify and advocate for psychosomatic flexibility, flexibility between psyche and matter. This flexibility would allow an individual to move through various somatic states in different modes of perception working with images without falling into total possession of the unconscious. Stromstead refers to the upper world as a metaphor for the realm of spirit and the lower world as a metaphor for dark materiality. Unfortunately for some people navigating this lower terrain of dark matter, the body, this undifferentiated shit in the body emotionality, sensation, can only be experienced through images, through myths, through stories, through dreams. And while these metaphors connect the body with this psychic material and serve as a resourceful container for all the high activation of the instinctual energy, we have to remember that these images and myths and stories ultimately have their roots in the body. And if we are ever to indwell spirit and matter, we must eventually learn to dance with the higher activation states on a body level, not just a mental one, not just abstraction, not just the feminine, not just the goddess, not just the light seeker, not just the whatever archetype that's pulling your interest. If you just say whatever the archetype is without having a a precise and particular way of describing the whatness of it, it becomes this empty form. Judith states, quote, When consciousness is detached from the body, it's wide and vague, dreamy but empty, capable of great journeys. But when it's connected to our body, we then have a dynamic energy flow throughout our entire being. And in this way, the spiritual realm becomes embodied, making it tangible and effective, end quote. So for those people out there who prefer transcendence and find that realm of abstraction and that spirit world safer than that of the material world, I think SE work using this depth psychological orientation is helpful 
And it can allow these archetypal energies that often accompany traumatic experience to find a home in the body. So I think to experience profound and embodied transformation, I think we have to explore the somatic dimensions of these images at a sensate level. Because I think that often the body of the image, the sensation of the image, the whatness, the particularity and preciseness of the image is often left behind. And it's a shadow of the process of individuation. And this is something that I'm feeling called to explore more and more is the shadow of the shadow in Jungian psychology. So what is the intolerable aspects of the shadow or images or archetypal work that we're not willing to face? And from what I see, the way that we approach images in this abstracted, kind of dreamy, floaty, idealistic, new age manner in pop culture becomes a really big problem because we're talking about empty forms Jung talked about that the archetypal forms are empty until they become activated through lived experience. That the archetype is just a form and that has to be lived out for us to really experience the archetype. And so this is just a thing that I'm interested in right now. And when we're working with dream images per se for example it's really dangerous to say that's the feminine or that's your shadow or that's your this or that's your that and of course we all fall into that mode of perception because that is our habitual state culturally is we we tend to reduce things or abstract things into concepts to make them more digestible for our split being but this is just a an opening to recognize that if we go into the image as a as if as a presence that exists unto itself it has a reality and a value and a quality unto itself then we're called to get to know that particular image relate to that particular image and not just see it as an object or a concept out there but something that's being lived through our constant wrestling and trying to relate to it so I'm starting to feel like an absolute madman (laughs) as I'm talking about this so it's probably a good time to uh end the show but if you've hung on with me through this podcast (laughs) i really really appreciate it maybe i'll go into the paper as it continues to evolve because i feel like this is the direction in which my dissertation is going and i'm really interested in why we abstract things and reduce things into concepts without really having a lived experience of them so anyway i hope that you guys enjoyed the show and have a great weekend and we will talk sunday Bye, guys.